Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast. My name is Catherine King and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we chat to senior executives from a range of departments, industries and functions, all about their passions, experiences and challenges within data analytics. Let's go ahead and dive straight into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Business of Data podcast. This week, we're talking all about data for good, specifically how the use of data can improve the lives of vulnerable people in our community. Now, to talk about this very important and rather lovely topic, I may add, we brought in the lovely Roger Halliday, who's the Chief Statistician for the Scottish Government, as well as CEO and co-founder for Research Data Scotland. Now, if you haven't had the pleasure of meeting Roger previous, I will give you a few intro facts just to get you up to speed. So Roger has been within the Scottish Government since November 2011 and has very, very recently founded and taken the role as CEO of Research Data Scotland, a charity looking to solve challenges experienced in Scotland with data. Now, if you can't find Roger at his desk, you'll most likely find him outside running, playing golf or even playing ultimate frisbee. Goodness me, Roger, you're a busy, busy chap. How is it doing? How are you doing today? Oh yeah, all good, thank you. Yeah, I like to uh, keep kind of mentally, physically uh, fit uh, when I can, uh, but at the moment sitting down as we all are at our, at our desk, sadly. Absolutely. Now, it, what makes me laugh is if you are a listener who's listened to many of our episodes across, we're now into our sixth season. Can you believe it? It's very exciting. So many people, when I ask them, hey, you know, what, what do you get up to outside of work? Say so many similar things. I think I should just I should just quit the job. I should just become a sports facilitator for the data analytics world doing networking for that, because I think there's there's a pool of money there to be uh, to be accessed because you guys are, are all into very similar things because very similar to previous guests we've had on the podcast, it's not just the sport you enjoy, but it's the analytics behind it as well. Isn't that right, Roger? Oh, definitely. Uh, I mean, I, actually, I read an article about football analytics recently that said that, uh, you know, it was a load of 40-something men looking for an intellectual challenge. And, uh, well, that's certainly uh, me, but I know the demographic uh, for sports analytics is wider than that. But, I kind of, you know, I'm kind of keen to understand what makes the players and teams successful. And also just the, the kind of, uh, yeah, how, how can you actually predict the future in, in something so seemingly chaotic? Uh, so, yeah, I, I love that. Well, I mean, predicting the future in the chaotic, I think that is just summing up the world of data analytics over the last 15 months or so, I think, uh, more so than, than usual, because it's certainly been a turbulent time uh, uh, for everyone. But before we, we dive into the depths of the conversation, I actually want to take a, a step back, because I think if I'm not... Uh, mistaken you are the first ever chief statistician that I've had on the podcast so I'd love to know what your role is within the Scottish government and what that entails for you. Yeah um, so really my role is that I'm responsible for whatever numbers come out of public bodies across Scotland you know the sort of 40 or so organizations um, uh, from schools to prisons to health service and, and so on and I'm responsible for and making sure that the numbers are trusted, uh, that they're of high quality, and that they're actually used to improve the lives of people and improve the decisions that are taken. And, and, and I suppose um, I'm, I'm there to, to make sure that we tell the story of a nation in an objective way, in an open and transparent way, so that the citizens of the country can, 
judge progress uh, and uh, kind of put their, their lives in context. Absolutely. And I think that the word you use there objectively is so, so key um, because that, that's exactly what we need, right? We need to know that the picture that, that is being painted currently and it needs to be without the, the uh, influence of politics, ideals or where we would like to be and the influence of, of politics behind that as well. Absolutely. You know, um, the, the, you know, that's at the heart of, uh, of what we're about, the, the, the trustworthiness of, of what we're doing. That comes from being objective, being open, being transparent about all we do. And uh, without that trust, then I think we're in big trouble. Absolutely. So, I mean, it, it sounds like such an exciting job, but I mean, I've got to ask, what, what enticed you into, into this role? What drew you towards it? Well, I suppose, you know, I look around and I've, you know, been fortunate in my life, but see that we've got some really difficult problems in society, in the environment. Um, they're difficult, but they're interesting problems and areas that I felt I could use my analytical training, I trained as a statistician uh, before there were data scientists around, uh, and to use my skills to improve people's lives, and particularly around in, in, you know, reducing inequalities in society. Absolutely. And I mean, just, just amazing, amazing stuff. Now, this podcast episode is going to be a little bit different to, to those most recent. Um, obviously, the, the folk that normally join me as guests are very much within the corporate world. We have had uh, public service guests before, but I am going to issue a bit of a trigger warning uh, just before we, we get into the meat and bones of the conversation, because some of the elements we're going to talk about today are a little bit sensitive to uh, potentially some of our listeners today, because the work you do uh, within the, the vulnerable communities is just incredible. Um, uh, Roger and I'm very excited to talk about that today because you've been in, involved in a number of amazing projects from COVID-19 recovery um, to projects surrounding homelessness and health as well and I mean let, let's dive straight into that I mean what are the sort of projects you've been working on? Yeah the, the last year for example I was leading up our COVID analysis team in the Scottish Government so we were modelling the epidemic uh, getting evidence together for the difficult decisions that governments around the UK, around the world have, have had to make. Uh, so that's been, uh, that, that, that was an incredibly intense and rewarding thing. Um, and, you know, more, more broadly, uh, kind of have been working on some, um, you, you mentioned uh, health and, and homelessness there. So, you know, a project over the, the last few years actually has been um, a bit around that. So we started off because we've been collecting uh, data on homelessness for, for many years, uh, but kind of telling the trends of whether it's gone up or down, but actually when you put it together, we found that 8% uh, of people in Scotland had been homeless at one time or another over the last 15 years. Wow. And that's 400,000 people. It's a, you know one of the, uh, the most shocking statistics that I've seen as a, a as you know, and I see so, so many numbers around. And then we thought, well, actually, you can put that, if you put that data together with other bits of information, then maybe we'll be able to better um, help uh, people that are in that situation. So uh, we're able to link that data on homelessness with data on uh, the health services that, that people that are homeless uh, receive. And, you know, uh, not unsurprisingly found that uh, the, the 
people have difficulty accessing health services and that actually, you know, their health's a lot poorer and, and, and sadly die a lot younger. Uh, and so it was really starkly laid out the, the difficulties for uh, people and families in that situation. And then actually when, uh, you know, so, so that led to some new services, uh, new ways of, of accessing uh, particularly preventative services in, in the health service, which, is, which was great. Uh, but when we looked at the data uh, and with the uh, our university colleagues, noticed that there were some real uh, sort of triggers, uh, you know, of, of things that uh, had happened for for people before they became homeless. So um, there were some ways of potentially predicting and, and preventing uh, that from from happening in the first place. So actually, that's now what has been trialed in a particular part of Scotland in Fife uh, and, and it's shown actually you can identify people uh, relatively well and you put in put in um, some services to explore them as an individual and to help them as an individual rather than helping them with a particular part mm -hmm. of their life that can lead to to so many benefits uh, so you know it's a real tale of um, analytical uh, analytical exploration, but of working with um, a whole range of manager, you know, sort of service managers of frontline clinicians, uh, in order to really make a difference to to the lives of people and make this uh, turn analytics into real change. Absolutely. Now, I know, obviously, uh, we will have covered data silos extensively on the podcast and on our other formats here at the Business of Data. But what we're really talking here, which is so incredible, which is you, we know statistically, if we look at the sociological impacts of this, we know that if you're a care lever, for example, you are more statistically likely to fall into the homeless community. If you're a, a sufferer of domestic violence, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what we've seen previously is this data remain in silos, that the hospitals know who've been admitted to them for various things. Social services know who they have spoken to. The fire department know who they have spoken to with regards to uh, call outs for, for various uh, uh, other aspects and, and you know not even just the, the crime and social services aspects but education and and knowing those triggers and I think what's so fascinating is usually when we talk about data silos we're talking about how to make finance and marketing talk to each other but with this it's about bringing everyone into all the services all into a holistic way that you're actually looking at this person in a complete form rather than looking at Roger in the health service and Roger as social services we're now just looking at you as a person and saying how we can um you know uh, approach and, and help you so I mean this sounds simple when you say it out loud like that but that is such a mammoth task how do you even go about aligning you know not even from from a human aspect getting all these various executives bought into this way but from an infrastructure point of view I can imagine that connecting those dots of data goodness me what a challenge you've been up against yeah it, it, it well it is a huge challenge uh, you're absolutely right um well for, first of all i would say start by uh, thinking about the public's perception of all of this because you know it's, it's data about them um and so we need to make sure that we've uh, we're, we're doing things that the, the, the public will be, will be happy with. And generally, when, when we ask people, they're like, um, you're not doing this already. Uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of expectation that this is what happens in government. And actually, mm -hmm. you know, it's not what happens in government at all. 
then um, but we've you know we're not starting from a blank page with, with all of this we've got a lot of expertise in in Scotland uh, in keeping data very secure particularly at the University of Edinburgh and and processes that can uh, make sure that people's identified uh, you know people are uh, not identified um, but that uh, and, and that nobody can join up data um, that can kind of link back to to an individual so we've, we've got all these systems in in place and they've evolved over time they've got, they've got better over time uh, but now I think we're, we're there we can um, we can do all of this we've got the backing of many of the owners of data in the health service and the uh, and schools and, and other services uh, as well we just now need to take this out uh, at scale and hence we're setting up this organization you mentioned research data scotland uh, to do that to diversify the, the range of data sets that that we've got at. so looking at uh, at drugs deaths uh, over the last year because they, they were the highest ever in in scotland or develop new treatments or supporting people leaving care and um or, or, or doing more with the data that, that we've got um so bringing data together at the moment uh, on a, a project to, to improve the data that we've got on equalities, uh, on equalities, so ethnicity and, uh, and religion and um, age and gender, in, in order to better tell the story, not just for the population as a whole, but for people from different parts of society and making sure that the, the services that we have got are properly diverse and offer equality of opportunity uh, in, in the way that they're set up. Absolutely. I think it's really interesting how you started that with the kind of permission from the from the public, as it were, and kind of the ethical surroundings of the work that you're doing. And I think what, what is quite interesting compared to the kind of business conversation we have where it's kind of the ethics of should you or should you not, what's interesting with this is the assumption that it's already being done, as you said, but also the frustration that must be felt by these frontline workers who are identifying these relationships and I'm assuming what you're going to now be able to do is really empower them to have these processes and say well as a teacher you have noticed this school leaver fits you know kind of the typology of someone who has having trouble at home they, they fit that typology of someone who could end up um, uh, in a sticky situation and they have that ability now um, to link up with other services that say well actually yeah we've, we've noticed it across the board as well I mean what, what's the kind of time frame in this project for having that kind of ability to join everything together in that way? Um, well I suppose we need to make the distinction here between uh, data for research which is de-identified which you can't trace back to an individual and the the operational data mm. that uh, somebody in in the situation that you just described uh, has that needs to piece together information to make a decision about an individual and those two two distinct things um, but you know what we i think are, are offering here uh, the, the space that we're going to be able to to move into is the ability to enable organizations to collaborate through the use of data mm -hmm. uh, and to actually try out new approaches and to test quickly about whether those approaches are working for an individual as a whole as opposed to an individual getting you know going to school or getting a, a, mm -hmm. a in in a health 
in a health service or, or whatever public service it might be. And that's not something that has, has, has happened before. And for many, many people in society, they use, you know, that they, 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 you know, they're using multiple, multiple services yeah. all the time. And, and just to be able to move from a sort of transactional to a person based uh, way of way of working, I think this is a, a key enabler. The, the, what we're doing here with data is a key enabler of that. Absolutely. Now, in many conversations I've had, we talk about strategic shift and the fact that when there's perhaps change in management, change in seniorship, um, you, you could have that, that change in strategic uh, uh, shift, probably ever so slightly, very, very rarely is it a complete 360. But you're in an organization that will experience strategic shift fairly regularly by way of election even if it's ever so slightly you you know that change is going to happen it's not like in in kind of the private sector where you know someone changes role every 10 years 30 years i mean they could be in that role for a long long time how does that impact the work that you do with the idea that you know you could have that very real risk of policy changing direction quite rapidly um, and quite often yeah, the, I suppose the, my view from working in the public sector is that actually, is there is there a lot of change to the fundamental issues that that we're trying to address, um, like you know climate change or poverty. No one's saying that those things aren't important. So, um, that you might think that there's a lot of change, and yes, that you know in in terms of how uh, the the how things are, are done, there's, there's change across elections. But actually the, the sort of the core things that governments are trying to achieve for, for people, uh, you know, that, that, that goes on um, irrespective of, of, of elections. So what we're doing here um, in, in Research Data Scotland uh, is to create a capability. So it shouldn't really matter about how that capability is actually put to use so we're about ultimately providing an evidence base for decisions and supporting the operational delivery of those decisions and so you know it's it's relatively straightforward to flex that capability mm. to the, the immediate priorities of, of the government of the day absolutely so i i, I appreciate what you say about the you know, nobody's going to stand up on on an election and, and say, you know, poverty doesn't exist. We're not going to prioritise this. Absolutely, but I suppose there is a difference if we if we look into party politics and, and the rest. There is a difference around funding behind what they think. You know, no one's going to say it's yeah. not an issue, but there will be a difference in funding. So, do you find yourself having to do uh, very similar to to the private sector, where you will have to keep proving return on investment that the work that you're doing is making an impact and, and I don't mean investment necessarily in revenue but change and that you can actually say this is where we started this is where we are now how much of that work uh, are you constantly having to do in your role that that is a, an important part of um, the role of analysts in, in government and, and the same is going to be true post-pandemic right because you know the the, the amount of money that the government had to spend on that, we're going to need to, the, the finances are going to be quite tight over the, the coming five to 10 years as well. So you know, that, that role of analysts showing value for money is just going to get more intense in, in government. Absolutely. Now, uh, 
kind of uh, on a tangent slightly, but as you brought it up about the proof of value being so important, how much are you building into your teams this art of storytelling? Because we know more than ever, we need to have that really compelling story. And I mean, the story you've told here today is compelling enough, I would hope, for, for anyone to see value in and the incredible work you're doing. But are you having to translate this into your teams and, and your analysts to be able to tell these stories in a really compelling way? Because I know this isn't perhaps the most traditional skill set that we've hired for in our analysts it is a relatively new uh, uh thing that we're seeing on the recruitment sheets so so what's the work you've been doing there uh, ab absolutely this has been a core part of my approach over the over the last 10 years really uh, we've had a, a communicating analysis program uh and just uh, storytelling actually has been um we've, we've had a, a number of training events uh, that, that are based around that and prizes given out for uh, amazing analytical storytelling. Uh, I definitely remember the, the role that I played in the, uh, the, the COVID analysis work last year, telling the story of all the different bits of information that, that came together on actually where are we, how do we get here and what's going to happen in the future and presenting that to the First Minister of Scotland and then seeing her on the TV then later on during the day give that give the same story I mean it showed you know and it's, it's a, a story that I tell to to our analysts showing how important that storytelling is that you know we're about helping decision makers to make that decision they've got to internalize that story and be able to tell it and own it themselves and so I completely agree. Storytelling is at the heart of, of what we're trying to do as, uh, as as analysts. Absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I think that's a, it's such a great example, this one as well, because the lay person now has seen storytelling being done every day on the six o'clock news with uh, the various ministers standing up and giving uh, reports on where the data is. And I think for the first, I don't know whether you experienced it, but people in my life who previously had no idea what I did within the data analysts community were suddenly saying, oh, well, this is something similar to what you were doing. And you could actually be like, well, actually, yeah. So these are the sorts of people that I get to interview every, every week. And there was kind of that that alignment. I don't know whether you experienced that as well, that actually the lay person is now more data savvy. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just random people that I meet down the, the people down the streets will come and uh, they'll, they'll kind of be quizzing me on some quite obscure aspects of, uh, of, of what the data is saying. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a uh, completely different world this year compared to, to last year. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see, especially within your role, the more the public is empowered with data and being, you know, far more savvy in that, how that's going to impact the sorts of projects and policies that you continue to work on within Scottish government in the fact that I think the, gov the, the government are going to have to be more data-led than they ever have been before, because I think the public are going to demand it. It, it kind of links back to that, that element you were saying earlier about the, the public's permission to do this sorts of work, but I think it's also the, the, the public's wish and want for you to be data-driven and working in that way. Would you agree? I, I'd completely agree, and you know, and I think it comes from seeing particular things that happened over the last year, I mean, we wouldn't have had vaccines, for example, we wouldn't know how effective they were unless we were able to bring data together from all sorts of different systems. 
uh, at pace and in trusted ways, in ways that the, the, the public will accept, in secure ways mm -hmm. uh, and in and, and, and ethical ways. And that's just one example, but you know, there, there was, I, could, I could spend hours talking about the, the range <laughs> of things that, that last year brought on that score. And I think what that's done is give a, a recognition across the public sector, across government, that actually it's not just good enough to be collecting data and to be reporting on data, but we need to be sharing data and we need to be um, joining that together around an individual or a place or a business in order to be able to make the decisions and solve the complex problems that, that we've got in society. Hello, I am briefly interrupting your podcast listening to tell you about our second Global Business of Data Festival taking place in January 2022. We are bringing together some of the world's biggest brands and their senior leaders to talk about some of the toughest challenges and amazing opportunities of the coming year. Already confirmed to join us in our TV studios are Mastercard, Johnson & Johnson, Condé Nast, Chanel and many, many more. You can register now and save your seat to the world's only data and analytics global broadcast. Click the link in the show notes or visit our Business of Data platform. Now, back to the podcast. Now, I said at the start of the episode that you're, uh, you're very, very recently the uh, CEO and founder of uh, Research Data Scotland. And I know you'll be launching uh, in this September, I believe. So I'd be keen to know what are you looking to achieve when you first launch? Yeah, well... I suppose, um, you know, we've been just, you know, I mentioned about COVID uh, and we launched a, a research at COVID service last year. We brought together 25 data sets and we've got about 650 live projects. And now what we're doing, looking to do is to, to take that at scale, move that beyond COVID to, to a range of other things. So we've got uh, investment from some UK research councils from um, the Scottish government uh, to do that. Um, should give a shout out to our funders, the Economic and Social Research Council uh, <laughs> at, at this point. Um, but, but that's all to give this pace and scale um, and to, to look across society, across the economy. Um, so what we're looking to do is provide a service that uh, offers uh, researchers uh, of whatever a variety the opportunity to to access uh, public data sets about uh, about people about places about businesses uh, and to uh, able to to join those uh, data sets together uh, but only for projects in the public good uh, and projects where uh, there's a de demonstrable effect upon our understanding of equalities uh, as well so people, uh, researchers will be able to come uh, and uh, they'll be provided with a service to, 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 to make sense of, of the data sets and, uh, and work in potentially in, in collaboration on the analytics of that. So on the, on the launch of this, um, we will have a, a, a basic service out there. Um, we're then going to be working on improving the, uh, how quick access to, to data is. Uh, and about some of the uh, added value that you can then bring uh, to, to those data sets. So, for example, over the last year, uh, we've got lots of data about individuals, but we've able to turn that into data sets about families as well. And we're looking at now how you can understand intergenerational issues. So when, you know, some of the big challenges that we've got are about 
poverty. Well, that, you know, mm-hmm. people, families, people, uh, sort of poverty is an intergenerational thing. So, you know, there's a lot of potential power that we've been able to bring together once we've, uh, once we've brought these uh, range of data sets together. I mean, it's just fantastic. I, I'll certainly be booking you in uh, for, for a year today so that we can have this uh, conversation so I can hear about how the launch went and then how uh, all these wonderful uh, projects have gone because they sound so exciting, Roger. But the final question I always end every podcast on is if you have one or two key takeaways you'd love our listeners to bring with them for the rest of the day after they've finished listening to us today. Yeah, I think there's probably two things. Um, one's by allowing access and combining data for the public good we can save time money and lives and i'm keen to connect with people from the corporate world who are into social corporate responsibility around the use of data see have they got data that they can bring to the party here that that we could actually use um because i think actually that that combination of, of of insight is is really powerful i suppose the second thing is that we can't do that transformation alone. It's not an analyst's job on their own to do it, but we need to bring those teams together of the, the sort of the, the, the decision makers, the frontline workers, uh, and the, the users of, of services. Uh, because we, we know what works in data-driven innovation and analytics is only part of that. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, Roger, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you. We hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. Do be sure to subscribe and follow the Business of Data podcast wherever you're currently listening to ensure you're always first in line to the latest episode. We'd also appreciate your review as well. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a review. And as always, find us on socials as well as heading over to the Business of Data platform for more forms of great content, including articles, blogs, and video. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you real soon.